in marriage, there are rejected differences, there are tolerated differences, and there are celebrated differences. The healing takes place when you start celebrating your differences. I'm Jimmy Evans, co-host of the Marriage Today podcast. Today we have a great teaching for you that I pray grows your marriage and blesses you as you seek to center your marriage on Christ. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to be notified of every new show. God bless you. Karen and I are, are so different. We're such a, a good example of this point. Now I've written a new book. Uh, Harper Collins is the publisher and my co-author is Alan Kelsey. And our book is called Strength-Based Marriage. And um, the Strength Finders, for those of you who are in business, Strength Finders is the number one business book uh, in the world. 12 million people have taken the Clifton Strength Finders assessment. And the Clifton Strength Finders, there are 34 strengths. Uh, and we all have certain strengths and weaknesses. Uh, but there are 34 strengths. These are really, really brilliantly done. And Alan, my co-author, he is, that's, he's an expert. And so I wrote it from the marriage perspective. He wrote it from the strength perspective. But there are 34 strengths. And so all of us have certain strengths and certain weaknesses. So Alan uh, did, tested Karen and me. And uh, so my number one strength is called achiever. And achiever just means get it done. I wake up in the morning, I'm gonna get it done. I'm an achiever. My number 34 strength is empathy. Empathy means just feeling, feeling other people's pain and being in touch with the emotions around you, okay? So I'm number one achiever, number 34 empathy. Karen is number one empathy and number 34 achiever. We are exact opposites. Alan, Alan said, I don't know that I've ever tested two people who are more opposite than you and Karen. You're opposite. I've, I've known it for many years. You're opposite. So, so I'm an achiever. I wake up, I get it done. Karen is empathy. She feels. Karen lives in a feeling. She's very healthy, by the way. I'm not talking, this isn't a bad thing, it's a good thing. But Karen feels, okay? I don't feel. I mean, I guess I feel things, you know, but, but an example of how I don't feel is sometimes I'll have a toothache um, and my teeth start hurting. Well, when my teeth start hurting, I know I have a headache. And so when my teeth start hurting, I'll think to myself, I better have a headache. And I'll think about it for a minute or two, and I realize I have a terrible headache, and I've had it for several days. And people say, and people say well, you just don't feel headaches? I don't feel like other people. I just don't. Why? I don't know. I just don't feel. But my wife feels for me. She, she lives in a constant feeling. When I'm talking to Karen on the phone when she's in the car, I'm getting a rundown on everybody in her life that she's passing. Every bump in the road, all the traffic, all the people who pull in front of her. And sometimes when we're talking on the phone when she's driving, I just have to say, focus, focus. I just want to talk about what we're having for supper. I don't want to hear about everybody on the road. Okay. We were eating dinner one night. We were eating at a restaurant, and we had a bad waitress. She was just a bad waitress. And uh, she's slow. We couldn't find her. She got the order wrong, all that kind of stuff. And so I realized about halfway through dinner that Karen was focused on that waitress. And I knew what was about to happen. I've lived with a sister many years. I knew it was about to happen. And I said, leave it alone. And she said, no, there's something wrong with that waitress. I'm going to find out what it is. I said, leave it alone. We're, we're going to eat and go. We're not here to fix anybody tonight. Okay. We're just going to eat and leave. Okay. 
and we will feel like we've achieved something. <laughs> it wasn't two seconds that waitress was over and Karen had all of her personal history and ministered to her. And it, it, you know, and, and when it was over, I just thought, well, that was real touching. You know, that was just, that was great. But, it, but her emotions make me nervous. <laughs> to this day, they just make me nervous, you know, because I just don't feel, but so we're different. We're different. Well, here's what happened. Early in our marriage, I would just say, you're weird. What's wrong with you? You feel too much. You don't, you're not supposed to feel everything. You know, and I would just shame her, and, and she did the same with me. We just sit, rejected each other, and when we were hurting each other, that's what we did. And then, as our marriage matured, I remember the the conversation that we had one day, and Karen said to me, she said, uh, "Jimmy, I am sorry. I am so sorry for how I feel. I know it bothers you. I know that you you think that I feel too much, and I'm going to try. I'm going to try not to. I'm sorry." And, and here's what I said to Karen, and I meant it from the bottom of my heart. Karen, I'm, I need someone like you in my life. Please don't stop feeling. See, in marriage, there are rejected differences, there are tolerated differences, and there are celebrated differences. The healing takes place when you start celebrating your differences. Karen and I are a great team. We, we really are a great team. As a family unit, what I do really well, Karen doesn't care much about. What Karen does really well, I don't care that much about. We do some things together, obviously, and we enjoy being together, but we make such a good team. See, a good team is not made up of people who do the same things. There's only one quarterback. You know, there's, there's only one person who plays each position, but you have to have all the positions to make a team. I don't need someone like me. I need someone different. But the problem is we're looking for someone who is our compatible opposite when we're dating. As soon as we get them, we begin to shame them and reject them because they're not like us. Because we don't understand what God is doing. God is putting us together with an aidser. If you're married, your spouse is your aidser. They're supplying what is lacking. In my case, emotions. Karen is supplying in my life what's lacking. So when Karen feels, after 43 years of marriage, when Karen feels today, I don't shame her, reject her, I listen to it. In fact, I go to Karen sometimes and say, Let me, tell me how I'm feeling. And <laughs> I don't know. I'll say, how am I feeling about this? And Karen will say, well, you're feeling this. I'll think, really? Yeah. Think about it for a little while. I think that's what I'm feeling. She's an expert feeder. She's just a great feeder. Jimmy Evans, you want to get it done? I'm your guy. I'm an achiever. I'm going to get it done. I'll kill some people in the meanwhile, but I'll get it done. <laughs> Thank God for Karen. She's kept me out of so much trouble. You are wired to find your opposite. Celebrate it. Don't reject it. Celebrate it. God's going to give you an aidser. You want to be compatible? You want to be compatible in Christ? You want to have the same character and values, but someone different. Here's the second subconscious decision and sovereign decision that we're making. To find a committed partner to walk me back through my past so I can heal. Now many people, including myself, would say when they're getting married, I want to find a person to take me as far from my past as I can possibly get. It is exactly the opposite. We're looking for a person who will walk us back to our past so we can be healed. So let me tell you the story of Dr. Harville Hendricks. 
and his wife, Ruth LaKelly Hunt. Uh, Harville Hendricks and his wife have written a book called Getting the Love You Want. It's a good book. And um, he was the professor of marriage and family therapy at SMU, Southern Methodist University, for many years. And during the time that he was the professor there of marriage and family, he divorced his wife. Later, he remarried Ruth Kelly Hunt. And his wife said to him, You're, you were the marriage guy. I mean, you knew all this stuff about marriage. Why did you divorce? And that question really haunted him and them. And they wanted to, they were researchers. They were both marriage people. And they wanted to answer this question. Why do couples fight? Pretty simple thing. I mean, the person that could answer that question, I mean, that's a pretty valuable thing. Why do couples fight? Why, why did Karen and I fight when we first got married so much? And after eight years of research, after eight years of research, they came to this conclusion. We are all wounded from our past and we are subconsciously looking for a spouse who has the best chance of healing us. As the marriage guy at SMU, he divorced, remarried, was haunted by the question, why did I divorce my wife? He didn't know. Why do we fight so much? He didn't know. Research it for eight years. They believe that most of our fights are because we are unaware of the dynamic that is going on of healing each other. And that's what causes the fighting is because it's in the subconscious realm. And we don't really understand what's going on. When Karen and I got married, um, we fought all the time because we were touching each other's wounds. I absolutely agree with the thesis of their book. I believe it's why I married Karen. I believe it's why she married me. We fought each other. We did not have an understanding of that though. And we wounded each other. We wounded each other. And we wounded each other until we began to heal each other. You said, well, Jimmy, what changed that you began to heal each other? Number one, we had to both admit that we were wounded. I was very macho and I was extremely damaged, but I put on this tough exterior. And every time that Karen would get close to my wounds, which I had many, I would reject her and act tough. Now, Karen advertised her pain. She had low self-esteem and everybody knew it. She was devastated. And so, but Karen was the first one that came to me. She was more humble than me. And she more honest than me. And Karen said, I'm damaged. I'm damaged, Jimmy. And I thought, well, finally you're getting it. You know, you're the problem. Yeah, well, she was more godly than me, more humble than me. But then the Lord broke through my heart and I stopped the, the lie. And I told Karen, I'm damaged, Karen. And it's the fear of you seeing this that motivates a lot of my fights. I don't, I don't want you to see how messed up I really am. But obviously she could see it. We stopped blaming each other and attacking each other. If you're gonna heal each other, you have to stop attacking each other. And this is what Karen did that was so wise. She just sat down one day and said, God heal me. Wasn't about Jimmy. God heal me. She put the focus on herself. We both turned to God. But another thing that we began to do that was very important is we allowed each other to complain without being attacked. And I said to Karen and she said to me, I'm your safe place. I'm not gonna judge you and attack you when you say stuff. And if there's something that you're feeling, if there's something that's going on, I want you to tell me and I won't attack you. And so we're gonna talk it out, but I'm not gonna attack you. So we became a safe place for each other to come and share and we healed each other. Now let me say this, women were given the name in Genesis two of the Holy Spirit, helper. 
Jesus said, when I leave, I'm gonna send another helper, Azer. It's the, that's Azer's the Hebrew, but in the New Testament, it's the same thing. He's gonna supply what's lacking. He's gonna give you the power to accomplish a task and to supply what's lacking. Women are made in the image of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? The Holy Spirit's a healer. How did Karen heal me? She, well, first of all, she helped me find my emotions. Karen helped me to walk back through my past. I, I'm not wired to feel. And so we would have conversations. It was talking to Karen that healed me because we would have conversations about my past and I would say something and Karen would say, Jimmy, this is, this is what happened and this is how you're feeling about that. She was always right. Gently, spirit of truth, that's what Karen is, just like the Holy Spirit. She healed me. She was my safe place to talk and she believed in me. She, she always believed in me. She always spoke you know, honor to me. Honor heals men. Mo many men, our deepest wounds are caused by disrespect and lack of honor. And so her honor healed me. How did I heal Karen? I gave her strength and confidence when she was unsure of herself. I have confidence. I gave her confidence when, when she lacked it. I committed myself to nourish and cherish her and to put her first in my life. And, and being cherished heals women because many women, or security heals women because many women, their deepest wounds are from feeling lack of value, that they're not worth fighting for, and they feel insecure. And so I created an environment of security when I cherished Karen and put her first. And I healed her. Listen, listen to me. I remember when Karen and I woke up and there were no more wounds. I remember the day in Canyon, Texas, when I told Karen to get out of the house, go back to her parents. And I was a, a wounded, a very, very wounded individual. And I repented and we did what I'm descri describing here. But I remember the day that we, we, we're not wounded people. Karen and I, are, it's wonderful to live in a healed marriage, but I know what it's like to live in an unhealed marriage. You were designed to heal each other. Now, let, me, let me say one thing and I'm done. There's a movie called Groundhog's Day, Bill, Bill Murray. And in this movie, he's a rotten guy. He's a weatherman, and he's at this place doing a report on Groundhog's Day, and he's just a rotten guy, immoral, just a crummy, rotten guy. And he wakes up the next morning, and it's the same day. It's still Groundhog's Day. And he's trying to get this girl. Andy McDowell plays the character of the woman. He's trying to get this girl, and he's a rotten guy. And he wakes up the same day, he's still rotten. And he wakes up the next day, he's still rotten. Day after day, he wakes up and it's still Groundhog's Day, over and over, and he's a rotten guy. And finally, he gets the message that he needs to improve as a human being. And so he begins to be kind and thoughtful and moral, and he begins to improve himself. And finally, at the end of the movie, he's just a wonderful human being, and he wakes up and it's a new day. If you keep rejecting each other and attacking each other, you're gonna keep living the same day for the rest of your life. You're not gonna wake up in a new day in your marriage until you understand this. You married your opposite, celebrated, and you married someone to heal you, let them. That's the way that God wires us. Those are the conscious, the subconscious decisions that we are making when we are dating. And when they come into the known realm, into the conscious realm, and we make the decision to accept each other, to cherish each other, and to heal each other, that's when marriage becomes a healing journey the way that God designed it to be. 
Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.